the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Answer or Salem Media Group. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. problems here and there uh working from home is uh is a little bit different uh so let's start with some positive thoughts be sure that you put your feet in the right place then stand firm character cannot be developed in ease and quiet one who gains strength by overcoming obstacles possesses the only strength which can overcome adversity and then finally from buddha one of my favorites the trouble is you think you have time. There we go. Anyway, uh, I, I talk about my webpage quite a bit. If you go to WHK1420 AM, go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes, Smart Investor Show. It goes directly to my webpage. And I just, uh, a couple things I want to highly recommend. Uh, we have some really good dividend portfolios, the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list. Uh, we have our top ideas. And I think we're getting very close to an ultimate bottom here. So, um, but also, if, if you're a business owner and you're, you're, you're about to transition your business, so we can help you with the sale of the business, but there's also a booklet that will give you some hints on what to do and how to do it. Uh, our family inventory workbook, which, boy, what a time to make sure that you have all your stuff in place, you know? And then the Savvy Investies, uh, Investors Credit Workbook, uh, handbook, I'm sorry. Uh, credit access lines right now are very important. But on my webpage, if you go to Insights, there are two really good pieces there. There's the one about the CARE Act, and they actually mention stocks, names of stocks in there. And the other is Ken McKay, who is one of our biotech analysts. And they've been, you know, our two biotech analysts have been hitting the, uh, the cover off the ball. And a lot of these uh, companies have big dividends, and they're good, high-quality companies. They're more drug companies than anything. So, there's an interview with him with Janet Engels, who, who may be a smartest person at RBC, and, and it, uh, it's good stuff. So uh, remember, WHK 1420 AM, uh, down to podcast, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, I, I was thinking about a couple things. Number one, a lot of people have asked me about giving because, uh, you know, it, there are some people going through some tough times, and I understand that. And, you know, one thing is you probably should be looking at the CARE Act that's uh, – it's in, you know, that's in my uh, insight uh, on my webpage because it, it, there's two important provisions there that give tax, extent, tax incentives for charity giving. All right. So uh, for those who want to give, uh, that's a, probably a pretty good idea. Uh, also, uh, I've been trying to be positive here. And, you know, here's some other positive headlines. The Senate passed a $480 billion uh, coronavirus aid package again. Uh, Remdesivir, which is uh, from uh, Gilead Sciences, which we talked about last week, uh, they have some data coming up. Now, they did have some data from China, and it, it didn't work very well, but I don't think the Chinese deal was uh, done very well. But anyway, some, we had a caller in on that last week. The Joy for All pro- 
Project, which is a hotline for isolated seniors seniors to listen to pre-recorded jokes, stories, and messages of hope and things like that. The Heroes Hour. Sam's Club is offering a hero shopping hour to healthcare workers. I think that's really great. Oh, Captain, my captain from Wadsworth. A 99-year-old British war veteran has raised more than $20 million, $29 million for health services. Ain't that great. And Germany relaxes shop closures, which is really positive. And people are starting to do Zoom weddings. How about that, huh? It's, uh, it's some pretty cool stuff as far as Tim's concerned. By the way, Bill Gates uh, had a great article in a couple of uh, uh, magazines, and he talked about, um, uh, you know, the pandemic. And, and, and what, what did we learn? And, and it's a couple things. He says, is the disease seasonal or weather dependent? How many people who never got symptoms have enough of the virus to infect others? Why do young people have a lower risk of becoming seriously ill when they get infected? What symptoms indicate that you should get tested? Which activities cause the most risk? Uh, who is most susceptible to the ideas? So he thinks innovation is going to beat the enemy, and I think he's right. Uh, he talks about all the treatments, uh, the vaccines people are working on. There's 22 companies working on vaccines. There's 29 companies working on uh, different drugs. The testing is is going out. The, uh, I mean, there's all sorts of testing going on. So uh, you know, there's a lot of positive things out there. So uh, don't forget that and uh, don't get uh, too overly uh, negative uh, out there, folks, okay? It's, uh, it can get better. Um, now, uh, you know, one of the things that um, I have been talking about, and I think this is with my clients, is we are now in the new abnormal, okay? Uh, the corporate earnings seasons is, is probably going to be the next oddity, because most of the companies are pulling their guidance because they don't know what the guidance is. I'm supposed to say the phone number here. So if you have a question, the number is 216-901-0945. That'll get directly into the studio. So given the abundance of unknowns about the contours, it's kind of hard, uh, you know, because we have a lack of guidance. So we have this reporting period, and so far there's been about 25 com- companies that have pulled guidance. Now, the consensus for 220, uh, 2020 uh, was a pretty high number. It was like 171, and, and I don't think anybody's going to get to that, to be honest with you. I think it's probably going to be more like 125, maybe 135. Uh, some people are even you know, uh, going lower than that. Uh, but right now, the consensus is 171 for the S&P 500. That's all the companies combined per share, okay? Uh, so maybe 125, 135, and, and that's really interesting. The second thing that happened this week that I think is really kind of interesting was Monday. We had uh, the the futures uh, day for when if you, you took delivery of oil. And oil went from being a positive $5 a barrel, which, you know, is pretty incredible, to a negative $37.5. <clears throat> wow. I, I sat there, I'm looking at the futures contract, and I, and my, I, I thought my eyes were going bad. And <clears throat> what happened, basically, is that people were paying the people that had the oil to keep it. They didn't want to take delivery. And I don't think I've ever seen that. So, uh, you know, it, it, there was three main factors. First of all, <clears throat> there was a glut of oil as Saudi Arabia and Russia pumped more oil uh, than was needed. Second, there was a widespread lockdown, actions you know, precipitating a very sharp decline in demand, uh, which was you know, a very sharp, you know, people are talking about gallons per month now, or, or, or you know, you know, that type of thing. And uh, so there was very little demand. And then uh, there was a, a stockpiling in Cushing, Oklahoma, which is where a lot of the future contracts in America are uh, you know, sent. So, it, it was a, it was an amazing scenario. We went we went negative. Now we think uh, uh, oil is going to bounce back, <clears throat> but it's going to take a while. So it's something to be thinking about. Now there's something else I, I saw this week, and I, I, I just want to talk about it. This is kind of the bifurcation that's occurring uh, in the stock market, and and I think this is important. You know, um, there are 58 stocks that are positive for the year. There are 54 stocks in the S&P 500, and there's 505 stocks in the S&P 500 that are down 50% or more. There's 120 that are down 40% or more. There's 82 that are down 25% or more. So we have a, uh, just a few stocks that are, are, uh, are running. And 
What's also interesting is the S&P 500, uh, if you look, it's tele- uh, technology and healthcare uh, represent almost 60% of the stocks that are up for the year. Now, we talked about healthcare last year in a big, big way, and I thought that that was kind of interesting. But remember last year, I was so worried because we didn't have that many favored sectors. So we kept going up, but it wasn't a broad participation. This last week, we had 23 favored sectors. We'll talk about that more, uh, you know, coming up here. Now, I also want to talk a little bit about environmental, social, and government governance investing because it's becoming more popular. So, I, look, I think there's three main themes that they're looking at, and there's three main themes we should talk about, actually. Number one, they're really uh, paying attention to treatment of employees, and, and, and has been, it's been a reoccurring theme in recent corporate uh, uh, commentary with many companies demonstrating how they're, they're supporting the labor force through this COVID-19 problem. Uh, and, you know, I think more and more people are going to talk about this. So, uh, you know, there we go. And inflows into sustainable equity funds reach a new high in the first quarter. Now, they since, you know, in March have subsided quite a bit. But I think what you're going to find <clears throat> is the S&P 500 names that are popular in these sustainable equity funds have shown some really good resilience in, in early 2020, even through the the fiasco we just went through in the market. So, uh, look, if you want more information on environmental, social, and governance-type investing, uh, uh, you know, we have two or three money managers that do a great, fantastic job with it, and we also have, at RBC, a portfolio uh, of ETFs that we can guide you through. So, uh, there you go. There's a little bit more on that. Now, I want to talk a little bit more about commodities, get back to them a little bit, because this COVID crisis has drawn attention away from the ongoing Iran standoff. If you didn't know, President Trump, we've, you know, the, the Iranian gunboats gum, have come at our ships several times, and he said just blow them out of the water. So this is kind of historic in that W, you know, West Texas crude is trading in negative territory while this is happening. And I don't think you see that much. That, But, you know, we talked about on this show 15 years ago probably, we talked about – how much oil there was in America. We talked about the Permian Basin, Bakken, Montana. We made a lot of money on those stocks. And and then, you know, it came to the point where, hey, things were, you know, up there. Natural gas has been a little bit divergent, and, and I, I don't know if that's because of uh, the uh, the lack of or the, just the, the cold weather we've had. But the U.S. refinery runs have been significant, and, uh, you know, that's something to think about. Now, the other thing I want to talk about was gold. And gold versus gold stocks. Remember, we said to buy gold last summer at 1300 uh, We sent an, an email out to everybody that was on our email list, and I'm sorry, we had a couple. We had some people that uh, didn't, you know, we had software changes, and, and you didn't flow through to the software change. So I have since updated that. But we sent it back in, in the first week of June, and gold was 1300 It's now, uh, or it's now like 1800 all right, 1850 And I think uh, that's a pretty good move. That's a 50% move. But, you know, if you looked at Barrick Corporation, it was 12 then. It's now 27. Uh, the small caps have not participated, which is fairly interesting because that's usually where the, the money will be made. So, uh, look, what's happening basically is that gold has been going up with what's been going on with the treasuries, okay? And, and uh, treasuries going down, gold going up. That's simple. Uh, Treasury yields going down. I'm sorry. And the other thing is, 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 as you notice, as we put more money into the system, as the Federal Reserve throws more money at the, at the problem, gold's going up. All right. So uh, now a lot of people are talking about gold now. Nobody was talking about it last summer. So you got to be a little bit more careful how you buy it. But what I'm suggesting is that gold stocks have more leverage to the price of gold than gold. So, uh, You'll, you'll be surprised. The net positions are pretty high for gold managed money right now. So the gold flows are pretty good. So, uh, you know, we, we were talking about them when there was none. <laughs> uh, so there you go. So I, I just I want to make clear what's going on out there so that, you know, you, you're all aware that uh, that was a pretty good call. Number one, uh, by the way, that was Bob Dickey. That was not Tim Hayes. Uh, you know, he, he made a great call. And uh, I think the I think the key is is that um, you know uh, it, it's not over yet. I, you know, in, in my humble opinion, 
um, you, you probably see uh, a lot more of this occur. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see a little back, back and filing here, and then we'll see a move uh, in a big way up. Okay, so uh, it's it's definitely something to think about over the course of the next, uh, I would say, several uh, uh, months, years, whatever. But if gold breaks above 1900 and stays above there, that'd be a major breakout, folks. And I think gold could be a rocket ship from there on in. Uh, so the commodity market, what's interesting is the CRB index, which is the Commodity Research Bureau index, which has been around for a long time, changed a little bit. They added a couple things and subtracted a couple things during the time. But we're near 1962, we're near 1962 lows. So where's the inflation that the Federal Reserve has been talking about all this time? Uh, you know, there's been some inflation in services, but certainly not in commodities and certainly not in, in wages. All right. So something to think about. And, uh, uh, you know, will what the Federal Reserve is doing add to, add to inflation? Hmm. That might be that, you know, we'll talk about this later on in the show, but we'll talk about value versus growth. Uh, but in the meantime, I, I believe we're going to take a break here and um, we'll come back. If you do have a question, the number here is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. When you wake up in the morning and the light is virtual here, the first thing you do when you get up out of bed is hit that sea Okay, we're uh, Okay, we're back. Uh, if you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show, and I'm Tim Hayes. And, you know, in, uh, in the last month or so, I have uh, talked about, I, I mentioned that a lot of our short-term and long-term indicators reached well below their normal oversold readings, and I said that in March. Uh, and this is usually a very bullish situation, by the way. It, awfully, it, it signals usually the end of a bear market, not the beginning. So the truth is, the difference between now and most of the previous instances is that the, you know, the 2020 decline came straight after the February all-time peak. Uh, very, uh, very unusual situation, but you know I, I, what I've been seeing is a lack of volume lately, and so we did break out of a wedge pattern to the downside. So I do think we're going to go down and test the low. But in the meantime, we do have Mark on the line. Mark, how are you? Mark, hi. How you doing? How you doing? Sorry about that. Uh, uh, that's okay. My call. I have a general question on uh, bankruptcies. Uh, Carl Icahn, he owns a huge amount of Hertz holdings, the Hertz, the car company. Now, if they filed for bankruptcy, would he be protected in any way that the average uh, shareholder would not be? Well, I, I'm not real familiar with that situation, uh, but if he bought the common stock, no. If he bought, uh, you know, a lot of times in bankruptcy situations, what you do is you buy the senior debt because then you're right next to the bank. So you're going to get, you know, if they come out of bankruptcy and issue stock again, you'll you'll be first mm -hmm. in line to get the stock. Yeah, but right. if he owns the common stock, no. Okay. You know, but by the way, when you when you when you used to get stock certificates, they used to say par value was one penny, mm -hmm. and that's basically what right. you'll get. Okay. Right. Okay. I'm just curious. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for calling, Mark. Have a great okay. day. Okay. You too. Thank you. Yeah. All right, so you know, oh, we have uh, another call, Scott. Scott, how are you? Hey, Tim, how are you today? No complaints. Hey, no complaints. What's new? Hey, <laughs> I'm usually a little, little, usually a little early to the game, and my thought is shorting gold. The reason is, in my thinking, that PPI is going down, transportation costs are going down, and I think people in a crisis like this are more likely to pay down debt rather than put the money into the economy. And therefore I think gold's going to get starved a little bit. And I think a good move would be to short it. Well, the definition of inflation, Mark, is uh, um, basically too many dollars chasing too few goods. Okay. So, since 19, we're 4% above the 1962 lows in the Commodity Research Bureau Index. In the meantime, 
the population of the world is up almost 105%, okay? And now we've just flooded the market. The Federal Reserve flooded, put $2.8 trillion to work, and the federal government has put another $1.4 trillion to work. That might be inflation. <laughs> no, no, I, I understand that. But if you look at gold and silver over the last, you know, pick your number, 20 years or so, it's uh, been counterintuitive as to how it's moved at times. And um, I tend to go to the conspiratorial side of it, of manipulation. And, uh, you know, I think that there's uh, always some of that going on in the market. And I'm not so sure a lot of this money is going to actually reach the market. When you're backfilling normal cash flow that has not occurred, a certain amount of that money is normal cash flow, and it's not a necessarily additional money. Now, I know what, you, what you're saying. They create money. It's additional money. But if it doesn't ever make it into the market, then it's not inflationary. We'll see. You know, I, I'll, yeah, well, right now, the demand supply situation in gold is positive. Now, it is. People are starting to talk about it now. So you want to back up a little bit, like I said earlier. Okay. But I don't know yeah, if it's a so short. I just, wanted to, <laughs> I just wanted to toss that out there. It's good talking with you. All right. Have a great day. Uh, anyway, so, you know, I, I suggest that, uh, you know, we had a 61.8% retracement, which is almost a Fibonacci number of the, the downward move. And we have broken, yeah, depends on if you look at the S&P or, or the Dow Jones, uh, the NASDAQ composites held above its, its trend line, but the, the, S, uh, the Dow Jones has broken down out of a wedge formation and the volume has been uh, fading. So, you know, um, the other thing I would say is, is if you look at the NASDAQ composite, we, we, the RSI, we failed to register an overbought reading. So that's usually a, a a bad sign too. The SPX has definitely uh, broken the the uptrend line, and it failed to clear the 50-day moving average just recently. So, I do think there's going to be a test of the low. Be interesting to see what happens. Uh, you know, the New York Stock Exchange uh, did a 50% retracement, and then it, it broke out of a wedge to the downside. So, uh, I just think you, you want to be a little bit more careful now. The other thing I, you know, this is the positive side that I, I noticed that the, if I look at the consumer sector, now this is heavily weighted to Amazon, but I think if you do the equal weighted one, uh, that would be better. Uh, but if you look at the consumer sector versus the staples, the consumer sector looks like it wants to break out, uh, which would be a positive thing for the market. So there's a lot of things going on back and forth that, uh, you know, uh, we could, we could argue yes or no. You know what I mean? That's, it's, you know, where do we go from here? Now, I do think, uh, you know, we had some new market highs from the bottom, uh, but the average stock is correcting short term. And I, I think that's what I'm trying to say in so many words. Uh, you know, you get the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ, they notched new re rebound highs last week, but overall we were down 3%, all right? So we continue to expect uh, a pullback in the indices. And by the way, Bob Dickey and Rob Schleimer, uh, started talking about a pullback uh, January 20th in their charts on a weekly basis. And it took a month, but it was a pullback. And it was a bigger one than both of them expected. So I just I, I throw that out there. I don't know if this, if this one holds. I think it'll be the low. Uh, look, some of the short-term uh, indicators like the VIX uh, have begun to diverge. So uh, you're, you're having them not, not go up. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, I mean, not go down and the market go up, which is usually a, a bad sign. So I looked at the daily S&P 500 and the daily momentum is up there. Uh, the weekly momentum is down. So what could happen is we could have the daily sell off for uh, two, three weeks and have them both turn up at the same time, which would be very, very positive. But the VIX has diver diverged negatively, meaning it's going up, it's broken out. Uh, when it should be coming down if, if indeed we're going higher from here, okay? So um, now the NASDAQ VIX for the NDX, which is the NASDAQ 100, top 100 stocks, definitely, uh, you know, broke out. So it, it, this is a tough, tough scenario. But, you know, if you look um, on the growth versus value scenario, uh, large cap growth versus large cap value, large cap growth continues, you know, uh, to go higher. And, uh 
if you look at the long-term chart, I think we're, we're getting up to places where we were in 2000. So that, that'll be interesting. Small cap growth is still going up versus value. But, uh, you know, on the daily, I noticed that we, you know, we did have a lower high and then we reaccelerated uh, in the growth area. So, um, you know, that's interesting. Now, the high beta group is at a bottom and the low, you know, if we took high beta versus uh, the S&P 500 low uh, beta scenario, the low beta held up and then it's starting to sell off. And now the high beta is starting to turn up. So we'll see what happens there. Um, the, uh, some, uh, let's see some other key stuff. Um, the 10 year yield, uh, you know, is, is been, you know, going between the low was 3.313 uh, and the high was, uh, uh, 0.78. So, or 0.81, I'm sorry. So uh, it's been in that range for a while. We'll see what happens. The, uh, the dollar is still not broken out. Uh, it is oversold, so there may be a, a move up, which would cause, if you're listening still, Mark, uh, that would cause gold to, to pull back a little bit. Uh, crude oil futures, <laughs> wow. I've never, I've never seen anything go negative like that before, uh, especially a day of uh, actually putting out stuff. So um, crude oil is, is a mystery and will continue. Now, the one thing I will say about gold, and, and uh, so Mark's a little bit right here, is that uh, if we look at the daily momentum, it's fairly overbought. Uh, now, if we were to break 1923, I think gold would be off to the races. And if you look at gold versus copper, uh, that's very positive. And just remember, gold usually leads commodities. Okay? It usually leads commodities. So, uh, there we go. So I, I am seeing some early outperformance from the Russell, uh, which is really interesting. And I'm seeing um, I, I'm seeing utilities continuing showing some evidence of peaking, and, and healthcare leadership is intact, and so is the technology. Uh, one thing I noticed is natural gas and tankers, because they're shipping up, putting all the oil in tankers, or people that have uh, you know a, a storage for oil, they're they're going up. And large cap uh, uh, healthcare and biotech are going up in a big, big way too. So, um, you know, I looked at some stocks, and boy, there's some really good looking uh, healthcare stocks, uh, and they've been basing for a long, long time. And some of the technology stocks are starting to come around too. So, uh, I am seeing some some stuff in the industrials uh, that I like too. So, uh, um, you know, it, it's it's a, a period of time where. It's kind of a wait-and-see attitude, but I don't like the fact that we've broken out of this wedge pattern to the downside. And there, on the, the, the volume on the up days this last week were, were very light, very light. And uh, you, you don't want you see your stock go up on light volume. You want to see it go up on big volume. And uh, a lot of technicians don't look at volume. I look at it all the time because uh, I think it's important. Uh, by the way, in, in point-and-figure charts, they don't look at volume at all. So uh, we're going to talk about point and figure charts in the next part of the show because we're going to talk about our friends in Dorsey Wright. But the key here is uh, the, the volume's been light and we broke down. So, All right, we'll, we'll be right back. Uh, so stay tuned. This is Martin Fester Show. And I, I understand we have uh, Mary on the line. You Mary? do? You do. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, hi. Yeah, hi. Uh, I have a question. Uh, one of your um, the groups you work with, I don't know if it's uh, Dorsey Wright or somebody else, was very bullish on Chipotle. And I'm wondering um, what, they, um, what their view is now. Um. Actually, I believe that was Marshfield, and uh, okay, all right. They, sure. they, you know, they were very clever. They sold a whole bunch of it up at nine. At, I don't know, nine forty-five in January. Yeah, because it. And yeah, ju- okay. Yeah, and just bought it back at four fifty, so it's back up to three hundred. So, uh, <laughs> you know, they still own it. It's uh, okay. you know, as far as making a, a call on it, I uh, I'm not sure. I don't think I, I think we have a buy on it, but it's not a. Uh, outperform you know so it's uh it's not our top pick it's it's a buy but i I, I, you know i I don't yeah i I haven't even looked at the chart uh, mary so i uh i'd have to check it out sometime in the near future and i can let you know no i was just looking at barons today and they mentioned it and i just thought it was a little uh, surprising 
when you consider all the uh, other stats. Uh, it's, okay. It's, so it's done. It's one. It was the best performer last year. So uh, <laughs> there we go. Thank okay. you for calling. Thank you. You know, uh, I I looked at uh, the Nasdaq 100, and you know, uh, this thing did a 15 day climb from in in excess from 56 to 92, and I haven't seen a move like that in a long time. Now, if you don't know what the NDX is, it's the Nasdaq 100, the top, the largest top uh, uh, names. Okay, uh, and in a sense, uh, gone into a column of O's now. So I think those names are going to correct uh, because they can't go to the moon. Because uh, 92 is a, a pretty uh, big, you know, big move up. So, uh, you know, we said last week that, uh, you know, uh, the the bullish percent had turned into a column of O's, uh, and it was down big this week. And and uh, th- there was a lot of stocks that uh, got cream this week. I mean, I uh, counted uh, like 20 or 30 stocks that were down 25 percent this week. So. Uh, but anyway, the NDX did go into a column of O's, so the bullish percent is, uh, I mean, it's, the risk is higher there in, in the uh, top 100 stocks. And, you know, what is the bullish percent? So we got to explain that for those people who are listening for the first time. And the bullish percent is basically what uh, was designed by some protégés of Charles Dow. Uh, and what they wanted to do is be bullish at the at the bottom and bearish at the top. So we were just at 68 on the bullish percent. 70 is the red zone. That's where it's, everything's too hot to handle. And 30 is the green zone. And that's where, you know, your, the best buying opportunities occur, okay? We were at five just two, three weeks ago in, in the middle of uh, last week of March, I think it was. So we went the full gamut. We went from five to 60, 68 in, in three weeks. So we have, we've made a big move down. We made a big move up. Now we've come back into a column of O's. And we were at 62 last week where it, we were down to 54 this week, so uh, we were down almost nine. Uh, what's interesting is the over-the-counter index, which is the smaller stocks, is still in a column of X's. Now, it was down four for the week to 41.7, and it'll reverse at 38, but it'll be interesting to see if it does. And the world index is still in a column of X's. Now, it's very getting very close to reversing down. It reversed down at 42. It's at 45. It was down three and a half for the week. So, uh you know, some interesting stuff. We're having some divergences uh, all over the place. So uh, it's been very hard because, you know, look, if you've been trying to buy Amazon the last week, it's up like 20%. If you're trying to buy Eli Lilly, it's up like, uh, you know, it's up 20 bucks. So uh, then again, if you want to buy Exxon, you probably had all day, Monday. <laughs> all right. So it depends on what you're looking for. So, um, Look, I, I think over the if you look at the course of the week, you, you can say it was maybe a positive week for some people, but uh, there's a lot of people stuffed in the same stock, so that may be a problem. But uh, during those five trading days, there were two up uh, more than 2%, one down 3%, one down 1%, and another flat. Uh, not to mention the, the front crude oil contract was negative. Negative. It was negative $37. So... Somebody was paying you $37 a barrel not to, to send it to them. That's amazing. So, look, the, the, one of the things that did happen is the volatility in the market remained elevated. Uh, maybe not as, as bad as late March when we hit 85, but a VIX above 40. Uh, so nobody's believing that we're going straight up from here. And, I, you know, so I, I said we'd have a test at the low, and I still think that's going to be the case. Uh, now, what we're seeing is some of the stocks are holding up the, the indexes, uh, and we'll see how long that happens. But, uh, you know, we're in a column of O's, so we had one of the shortest offensive periods on record. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I think only the September 2008 saw a shorter period of seven days. Uh, this was nine. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, 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 you should live in interesting times. These are interesting times. So, uh, I'm sorry, it was eight days, not nine. Um, and it, by the way, going into a column of O's, this is six, and the only time we topped that was in 2008, too, so uh, a wild market. So, look, as, as the market volatility uh, is elevated, it makes sense that we're seeing some more frequent moves from indicators like the bullish percent. And uh, so they're simply reacting to the market uh, is what it comes down to. But the bullish percent is in a column of O's. Risk is higher now. Let me say that again. The bullish percent is a column of O's. Risk is higher now. Now, that doesn't mean you have to go out and Sell your whole portfolio. 
What it means is you're probably going to have an opportunity to buy the stocks you want to buy at a lower price coming up here, at least most of them anyway. Number one. Number two, uh, you want to have some cash on hand, okay? We just had a big move in the market and maybe take a couple trades, uh, you know, something along those lines. Now, I looked at most of the uh, indexes, and they're all in negative trends with the exception of the QQQs, which is the NASDAQ composite, and the S&P 500 uh, market-weighted, okay? So that's market capitalization-weighted. So the bigger the stock, the bigger it does. And the XLG, which is the large-cap stocks. So it's large. Now, what's interesting is the large stocks just went to a column of O's, and the small stocks are still the column of X's. So there's a lot of stuff going on here that, that doesn't make sense. But look, uh, if you look in, it was a negative week across the board, and, and the S&P 500 small cap index was hit hard. It was down 5%. Uh, there was 10 ETFs that were that finished the week over down over 3% for the week. So now the one thing that's positive is we look at the cash bogey check, and that's we take a look at the S&P 500, or we look at the bonds, and we 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 chart them against cash. And U.S. equities moved back to the past, suggesting that, it's, you know, on a short-term basis, U.S. stocks are showing uh, higher relative strength than cash, okay? So uh, that that's an important thing because uh, that hasn't been the case for about a month and a half. So, uh, look, uh, the, the chart that uh, uh, shows this is, you know, what we do is we take the, the Dow Jones, in this particular case, there's the money market, and so it's turned into a column of X's, which is positive. So um, anyway, we you know we we do have uh, uh, things going on here that are kind of you know interesting, shall we say? Now uh, I did look uh, at the sectors, and and one of the things that I really liked this week was we had 23 positive sectors. So what we look is the bullish percent for each sector too, and what we want to talk about is just the favored sectors. That's where the money is being put to work. The unfavored sectors are not. So we have 23. And none of them are over 70. As a matter of fact, uh, at, at the 60 level uh, is Internet, restaurants, and software. So, uh, you know, that's an area where you can still buy these things. At 54 is healthcare and semis. So the semis pulled back this week. At 50, these are all good buying zones. Are leisure, drugs, precious metals, real estate, electric utilities, aerospace, biotechnology, computers, business products, food, and gas utilities. And then at 44 are chemicals, insurance, transportation, and gaming. And then at 40, which is a really good place, is oil, believe it or not. After a 37, you know, a negative $37 number in oil, oil has done well. Uh, electric uh, uh, products companies and then telecommunication services. Uh, so that's a pretty big group. Uh, you know, so we have 23. Remember last year we couldn't get above 11. We couldn't get above 11 favored sectors, which I thought was kind of interesting. And, and um, you know, I was always weary of why we couldn't do that, and, and now we know why. Uh, look, back in February, we talked about being uh, a little bit nervous about the market. Bob Dickey was quite nervous, and we were looking for a 7, 10, 7 to 10% correction. Uh, but he, he always talked about the uptrend line going way back to, you know, 2009, and, uh, boy, we hit there. So anyway, I looked at the, the favored sectors, and savings and loans and banks are still they're terribly un, unfavored, and uh, they moved to the most unfavored this week. Uh, moving up from average to unfavored, from unfavored is uh, protection services, uh, medical stocks, and Wall Street. And going into uh, favored status is gaming, leisure, and electric utilities. Going to most favored status are drug stocks. Uh, and by the way, I, we looked over, you know, we, we had a piece this week about drug stocks. And uh, I, what I thought was interesting was uh, they uh, they had a, uh, I think about their uh, dividends, and they seemed all, almost in every case, safe, okay? The other thing I'll mention is that we have a new offering. Uh, we have an analyst who's now following payment referral services in healthcare. And boy, there's some really good looking charts in there and some really good looking names. If you'd like that report, uh, you know, you go to WHK 1420 AM, local podcast down to Tim Hayes, Smart Investor Show. It goes right to my webpage. Uh, just hit, you know, contact me, email me. Okay. In the meantime, international equities, it's Asia and, uh, is, is the top group there. 
I, I also found Switzerland looking very interesting on several ETFs. And then um, uh, as, as far as, uh, um, you know, oil's still negative for f- 15 weeks now, so uh, there's nothing to talk about there. Gold's still positive for three weeks, and it's the tankers that are holding all this stuff. As far as relative strength, Excellus went positive this week. Floor, Blue Mobile, uh, Triple S Management, Illyrium Biosciences, Genmark Diagnosis, uh, Diagnostics, I'm sorry, Clovis Oncology. Uh, we have a good report on that one, by the way. EQM, Midstream, Plains All-American Pipeline. Plantronics, Cere- uh, Serepta Therapeutics, Sagamo Therapeutics, Sierra Wireless, and Tenet Healthcare, and Erasive, and Immunic, and Wayfair. Uh, and Natira, Camping World, and Roku, and uh, Rhythm uh, Biosciences, and Farfetch. Uh, relative strength is very important. So when they have these buy signals, sometimes they last for a pretty long time. So those are a bunch of names you should be writing down. Oh, by the way, one, one other, Beyond Meat, uh, which is uh, Beyond Me. <laughs> anyway, uh, the, the point is, is that uh, th- these are all names that you should be writing down. I know I went through them fast, but we don't have much time. But use those names uh, as your base to look for, you know, future future ideas. All right. So, um, anyway, I, I think we're going to break here in a second. I do think that uh, you got to remember the bullish percent turned down. So be careful out there. Okay, we're back. Uh, if you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show, and I'm Tim Hayes. And uh, uh, once again, if you'd like to have a conversation with me, I can't have coffee anymore, <laughs> at least for a while anyway. Uh, you know, you can go to WHK 1420 AM, and uh, on their webpage, there's a local podcast. Go down to Tim Hayes and uh, uh, Smart Investor Show, and it goes right directly to my webpage. And for my webpage, by the way, please look at the Insight Group and look at Bob Dickey's uh, in the uh, bulletin board. They have technical update. Watch that on a daily basis. Um, in the meantime, you know, there's all sorts of contact me and email me, and uh, you can contact me or uh, you know send me an email. I'll call you if you want to call me. That's fine too. Um, now we talk about insiders, and we talk about insiders because they know their companies better than we do. <laughs> it's that simple. Uh, they're usually early, and we're looking for large purchases, okay? Uh, large, large purchases, and um, we're looking for multiple purchases. So if the guy buys 100 shares or 1,000 shares, I'm not so interested. But, you know, if they step up to the plate and they buy $50 million worth, I'm really interested, okay? So, uh uh, that's where you're really putting your money where your mouth is. So this week we had perceptive buyers, which is pretty smart money, buy $14,999,000 worth of Crenetics Pharmaceuticals. And uh, that's a name that's very, very interesting. Now, here's a name that I own, and I own it at a very low price, and I'm, I'm not adding to it. Uh, so I'm kind of talking my own uh, uh, clientele here. But um, Halozyme. Uh, and this was an old uh, Randall Kirk uh, stock, and he's, I don't think he's in it anymore. But uh, Artisan Partners, which is really smart money, announced that they have a 10.5% position in the company. By the way, Perceptive Advisors and Crenetics uh, does have a, uh, a, a more than a 10% position in the stock. And then eHealth, uh, which uh, Carson Black, uh, Block, I'm sorry, who's a, a He's a short artist, says, you know, they're not doing their earnings right. Now, our analyst uh, goes against that, and it looks like the insiders do too because on his uh, comment, they knocked the stock down 10 bucks, and uh, the, the CEO bought $24,500 uh, or uh, 500 shares. It is a $100 stock, so it's a good chunk of change. Uh, the C, uh, chief digital officer bought 12500 The chief uh, – Revenue officer bought 12500 and the CFO bought 12500 I like when the numbers guys and the CEOs buy, okay? I like it a lot. Um, so eHealth, uh, we own a little bit of that too. Um, so we had a couple others. Uh, Gloria Gebbia, who's a, a part of a 10% ownership group, bought uh, $12.2 million worth of Seabird Financial. 
which is uh, a pretty big chunk of change for the week. Uh, and then here's one that's really interesting. Uh, Murray Gerber, who's a, a pretty big name in the oil area, uh, he's a director at Halliburton, and he stepped up to the Blake bought 350,000 shares of Halliburton for a value of $3 million, which I think is interesting. Here's another interesting one. Uh, Gene Lee, who's the CEO, uh, I don't know if you, I've heard a couple conference calls with this guy because I owned uh, Darden for a while. Uh, Darden Restaurants, he, he stepped up to the plate and bought 25,600 some odd shares for the tune of 1.4, well, 1.5 we'll call it. Um, and he's a sharp guy. I've listened, like I said, I've listened to a conference call or two and he's, he knows what he's doing. And then we have, um, this is a really interesting one. It's a company called Accelerated Diagnostics. And if you don't know this guy, you should know this guy. Jack Schuler is a very bright guy. Uh, you know, he, he was uh, CEO of a major corporation for a while, and he's a, he's a very bright guy. Anyway, back on the uh, 20th, he bought $500,000 of accelerated diagnostics. Then on the 21st, he bought $717,000 worth. And then he, uh, uh, on the 22nd, he bought $1.4 million, $1.5, we'll call it. Uh, million dollars worth of stock. So uh, I think that's uh, uh, fairly interesting simply because this guy is a 10% owner and he keeps buying. Uh, and he's made a lot of money uh, with stocks like this. So I'll just leave that uh, for your imagination. And uh, iMedia Brands, this is a low price stock. Uh, we did have uh, the uh, director uh, buy 1.4 million. And then also in iMedia, uh, I'm sorry, in uh, the same stock, uh, Michael Freeman, who's a director, bought $1.3 million worth. And Steve Luxo uh, bought another million dollars worth of AT&T. Remember, several weeks ago, he bought some of it, and uh, um, we'll see what happens with there. And then uh, Kutera, which is a medical appliance company, uh, the uh, uh, director, Dan Plants, bought a million dollars worth. And then uh, Tim Wilmot, another director at Darden bought another million dollars worth of stock the day after Gene Lee did. So some pretty big purchases. By the way, Philip Frost continues to buy. He bought another 600,000 shares of Opco this week. Uh, so I think he owns quite a bit. There's a couple names that I just want to talk about. Uh, you know, we did have two or three other Darden restaurant guys. Uh, Charles Snosby, uh, he bought $700,000 worth. James Fogarty bought two hundred and fifty. And, and uh, the executive vice president, chief operating officer, David George, bought uh, 252. And then we had a couple more. Cynthia Jamison, she's a director. She bought some. And the chief financial officer, Ricardo Cardenes, he bought, they each bought about 175, 180. That Todd Burroughs, who's the president of the Longhorn Steakhouse, which is part of them, uh, bought 150. And then we had uh, uh, Richard Renninger, who's the chief development officer, bought another 100. So, Darden Restaurant seems to be there's a lot of people getting positive about Darden, uh, which we, you know, we'd love to see and and, and here when uh, we're thinking about a stock. By the way, Steve Luxo also bought some more Morgan Stanley. You know, he bought the uh, AT&T. He bought a ton of it uh, back in February. He's down a little bit on it, but he bought another 700000 But I think he bought about $20 million worth of Morgan Stanley, so that's kind of interesting. And one thing I, I will mention is uh, these guys have been sellers for the most part. In the last two weeks, we have our second purchase of Charles Schwab. Uh, another 200000 this week, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. Um, now, I, I've, been, uh, I've been looking at a few things, and, and you know, I talked last week about this wedge that was forming in, in the uh, Dow Jones and the S&P 500, and we broke down through it. So, uh, you know, that, that is going to be a problem, I think, uh, because normally what you find um, – is <laughs> when, when you break out of wedges, especially uh, when you rally up from the breakout on low volume, they're going to come and test, you know. And so we, we broke out of the wedge uh, on the uh, 22nd. And it's a, it's a normal pattern for stocks and market interests that uh, build to the upside in a slow and steady fashion while uh, corrections and pullbacks t- tends to happen, you know, in a much shorter period of time. So this wedge formation is something that I think you all got to be uh, aware of. Uh, I'd be very careful with it and, uh, you know, uh, take it from there. In the meantime, uh, there's some things I think you ought to think about. Um, dividend stocks have held up extremely well. I've got a list of my stocks that I like. I'm only giving those to my clients, though. And uh, also, the prime income list looks – there's a couple of names on there that look absolutely dynamite. You're selling a business. There's the business owner's guide to transition that you can get from my uh, webpage. Uh, 
the family inventory workbook. It's a good time to put your stuff together in, in crisis. And, and the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook is another thing. So dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list are probably good ideas right about now. And you can find it by going to WHK 1420 AM. Go to local podcasts. Go down to Tim Hayes' Smart Investor Show. It goes right directly to my webpage. Don't forget to look at insights, okay? And on my webpage, there's two things you should be looking at. Number one is a technical analysis from uh, on, under bulletin board and in insights. There's the CARE Act. tells you everything you know. Mentioned some stocks in there. And also, Ken McKay is, is interviewed by Janet Ingalls. He's a biotech analyst. He's got some really good stuff about COVID. He's been following COVID, and he's been right as rain. I'm telling you, he's been right as rain. So make sure you follow that. Uh, and so uh, in the meantime, I think you've got to be a little bit careful. You know, bullish for sensitive column of O's. Nobody listened to me back in February. Even some of my clients didn't listen to me back in February. It upset me a little bit. But I'm telling you again, we're a column of O's. We're going to go down and test the low. I think, uh, you know, 20,500, 21,000, somewhere around there will probably be where we uh, we end up. Uh, if we don't end up there, we got a problem, I think. <laughs> but I think we're going to. So I'm, I'm fairly positive that we're going to. In the meantime, uh, it's, it's 60 degrees out there today. So go out and have, you know, enjoy it because tomorrow it's supposed to rain. You know, welcome to Ohio. Uh, remember, WHK 1420 local podcast down to Tim Hayes. In the meantime, this is the Smart Investor Show. Have a great week, and remember, buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.